Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Custard TV Podcast, the one place on the web where myself, Matt in the north, hello, and Gary in the London area, greetings, talk telly uh, for as long as you are willing to listen to us. If you're not a Twitter user, Facebook user, but you want to ask uh, one of us or all three of us a question about telly or just about us, inside leg size, I don't mind, just ask. We've only got, um, at the moment, two questions. Okay. On, on for our Q and A special, but so I, that's going to be quite. Uh, having recorded one of them edit- is, would you like to buy some Viagra from yeah. a, for a having or recorded and edited our podcast before? I know we could string out those two for a full podcast, yes. but we'd, yeah. we'd like yeah. more if we possible. I, yeah, possibly so it's custardtvreviews at gmail I'd like to thank as well uh, two American listeners, Tina and Elizabeth, who've got in touch to uh, thank us for brightening their days and. Yeah. Uh, no, that's my alarm telling me to wake up. <laughs> Let's just do some some background. So uh, Gary's on oh. antibiotics now, so he had a bit of a, a necessary I'd, nap. I'd, I'd lay down. I'd, I'm, I'm a 42 year old man. I don't mind a bit. I had a bit of a lay down. 42 yes, is not the age for napping, really. Uh, any age is the age for napping, Luke. Napping. If you're on antibiotics. So where did you nap, Matt? Were you just on your sofa? On the sofa, yeah. You went on the sofa with the intention to nap. Well, I, 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 you feel yourself falling asleep and you're like, right, I'll set an alarm so I'll wake myself up again. Okay. Yeah. Get, but you've been to the gym, so there's kind of an excuse for you. Gary, you're on tablets, which probably do make you sleepy. I, and nap. I, 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 like an, I do like a nap if I'm a bit tired, I have to say. Uh, I'm not just on tablets. I have a district nurse come and do IV antibiotics, mate. How easy so you have you been finding it to sleep in your cast, Gary? It must be annoying. It's, um, it takes a little while to get off to find a comfortable position. Yeah, I imagine. But, um, but no, not too bad. Surprisingly fine. Shall we do the telly stuff this week, or should we just check on how each other... Yeah, well, I thought maybe you could use as your tagline, Luke, is I'm a rapper, not a napper. Luke, Gary and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com Basically, we are staying west far too long this week. Uh, one of us is going to end up with deep vein thrombosis. I reckon it will probably be Gary, though, as he's the illest of the trio at the moment. And then we do have some UK-based reviews. Pick of the week, and we'll go through all our social media stuff as well. Gary, head yes. west! Yes. 
Well, let's start with um, Santa Clara Diet. This is a no, 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 no. Santa no. Clarita. I lived there for ten years. Oh, sorry, I do apologise. This is a Netflix comedy original, mm-hmm. uh, but there's no laughter track, so it's not like a laugh out loud comedy. Uh, and um, the basic premise is that uh, you have a family living in Santa Clarita in California. In Southern California. Very good. The mother and the father, uh, mum played by Drew Barrymore, and dad played by uh, Timothy Oliphant. Well yes. done. From uh, Justified and Deadwood. Indeed. Uh, they're too. basically both realtors working for a large organisation. Um, and upon trying to sell this difficult-to-sell house... Uh, they are confronted by the fact that Drew Barrymore starts to feel very, very unwell. And basically... <laughs> That's a nice uh, way of putting it. Basically, Exorcist pukes her guts out, I think is the only way you can describe it without getting any more graphic. Basically, uh, it's throughout the episode, including some uh, some hilarious little bits with the next-door neighbour's teenage son who appears to be a medical doctor in training, works out the fact that basically she is a living zombie. They don't tend to use the Z word that much. Um, but uh, they start by her uh, not really having an appetite and not really wanting to eat. And then slowly she starts to want kind of human thing or flesh. How far did you get on this, Gary? I watched the whole of the first episode. Okay, because so right I, watched, up... I, I watched the first two. So right up until the end of the first episode where she is found devouring her new colleague. Now, who was that played by? Nathan Fillion. And Thank and you. and he was called Gary. Oh, yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she ate <laughs> she ate me at the end of the episode. Uh, basically, yes, at the end of the episode, she goes after Gary, kills him, and then eats his flesh. I had a feeling uh, that Nathan Fillion wouldn't last past the first episode. I thought that well, he's, he's a, he, otherwise you would think he's such a big name star that perhaps and he his character was so credit. obnoxious that you wanted him to sort of be killed off. He was like sort of he got the listing, didn't he? After. The yeah, that's right. He stole, the, stole it from under them. Yeah. Luke, your thoughts before I go to uh, that? It was watching? nice to see Santa Clarita on screen. I didn't find this funny. It wasn't the subject matter. It was just I didn't find it funny. I'd, I'd never liked Drew Barrymore, but I was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Uh, I just The best thing about it for me, the best character in there and the best... The most yeah, well observed I I was, the young, was the young daughter who... The daughter, yeah, who, Abby. Who, yeah, Abby, who kind of looked upon it in the same way I did and didn't get too involved. I just thought the whole thing was silly, but not in a comedic sense, but silly as in, I can't believe Netflix made that. It didn't do anything for me at all. In fact, I, after she was so exorcisty ill in the uh, in the model house or the show house or whatever you want to call it, I nearly turned it off because it just wasn't floating my boat. I hated all the bits with the neighbours. Did, did you finish the episode? I did, yeah, but I, it was... Yeah through sheer determination to have a And the fact that it was say. only 25 minutes. And the fact I that suppose. it was only 25 minutes. I, I mean, yeah. it wasn't for me. That's, that's no. the beginning. I've got a bit of a different attitude to it. Just, I thought, oh, I'll give the second episode a go because, you know, one was the setup episode and it ended yeah. with the death and stuff. I agree with some of what Luke said. I, I do really like the daughter. I think the performance by Liv Hewson was very good. There's a great mm. scene in the second episode where her and the the geeky next door neighbor go to a comic book store and she sees a, a comic called zombie mom and, and it makes her quite upset. Um, I agree with you as well about Drew Barrymore. I think she's a bit like over the top in this. I did really like Timothy Oliphant. I thought he was a great sort of yeah. 
straight yeah. man to her. He is, sort of he is good, but I felt he was underused. Mm. But the one thing I will say, um, and Luke sort of mentioned this, uh, with a lot of Netflix shows, we said this before, is that they, they don't seem as disciplined with things. And no. there, was, there, was a, there was a bit in two where they're disagreeing about her because she's got then a taste for human flesh and she won't eat any other meat that just goes on and on and i think if they cut like five minutes out of each episode i agree with luke about the amount of vomit and then the amount of gore towards the end as well with the i just went when she started eating nathan fillion i was just like oh my god yeah i didn't feel particularly (laughs) inspired to watch the second episode i have to say um I'm not going to watch any more. I would agree with Luke after two. I'm done. I think I kind of saw the premise and the idea of what they were trying to do. And there was a there was a bit of a shock factor that they were going for, you know, with the with the grew with the the, the gore and the, and the and the vomit. You know, they were going for that kind of like, ooh, mm. how silly. <laughs> Apart from Timothy Oliphant. I, character, I didn't really feel empathetic what? at all. Yeah. As well, what you said about the neighbours. I mean, the suspicious cop neighbour reminded me They're of Joe. So poor, it's so poorly say. drawn. They were very caricaturish, weren't they? You know, mm-hmm. the kind of the cop and then the you know the but the, he's the, the one then that's going to be suspicious of their every move while they're trying yeah. to sort of he's the stand the stun demon of the there was a tiny little bit of a flashback of, of weeds in my head mostly because the fact that it had this kind of very playful way of dealing with a very serious subject and, and all of that there were moments right where there. i went oh i quite like this and there were gen- some genuinely laugh out loud moments but i just think yeah there's there's other things on that I care more about. I don't think I cared about them as much, and no, that's what you said. Luke, I was it. I was watching it, yeah, just from a distance. It, yeah. So that's Santa Clarita uh, Diet, which you can find on Netflix, and you can watch all the episodes right now if you wish. This program Riverdale popped up on Netflix a few weeks ago, to not a lot of fanfare in this country. Luke may be more familiar with this than me and Matt because it's based on the American Archie comics. It's something yeah, you know but, a little bit more but about. They're like in the newspaper. They're like quite cartoonish. I didn't know that they were this these teen. If you Google image Archie comics, you do not get no. the images. It's using that we get it's now, using but, yeah. the names uh, to mm. be familiar. Basically, Riverdale is a small American town. It's got a high school. It's got a high school football team. It's got a sheriff. It centers initially around Veronica, who is coming back to the town with her mother. Well, um, no, she's not coming back to the town. Just the mother. Her mother's coming back. Sorry, her mother's coming back is what I meant. Coming back with their heads held low because their father, her father, has been involved in a a Ponzi scheme or a, a government scheme, which has meant that he's now in jail. Lots, about that in a minute. Lots of Ponzi schemes this week. Indeed, a very yes, Ponzi I mean. podcast, we should call it. <laughs> uh, hey. It all features around the local high school, Riverdale High School. Veronica starts going there, and she immediately uh, sort of uh, catches the eye of young Archie. Archie is the kind of central character of the piece, and he's immediately involved in this mini love triangle. It's like the all-American sort of... Yeah, he's involved in a little bit of a love triangle with uh, his next-door neighbour and best friend, Betty, um, who's basically you're kind of like dowdy, but clearly not that ugly girl next door from school. <laughs> he's also having it off with his music teacher as well. Well, that I was going to come to is that yeah. actually he, he kind of rebuffs the attentions of Betty and Veronica because he's already having it off with his music teacher. The main plot, though, uh, centres around a murder um, of um, the are you, get, previous, are you guessing that? Or, or... The previous high school quarterback and also previous student of the music teacher, uh, whose name I can't remember. because Jason Blossom. 
Thank you. Yeah. And it, his twin sister is still at the school, and um, she is very much the school bitch. She's the queen bee, isn't she? She's that's like, right. Uh, yeah, as she, the cheerleaders, she's that's it. And that that part of it is very Mean Girls, isn't it? That part, that kind of element of it is all very. Well, it's mean in girl. every sort of tea. It's a trope of the team. Exactly. Part, yeah, the show very much has a feel of Veronica Mars. Um, mm. Without, I'll, kind I'll, of I'll her... disagree with you in a minute. Well, okay, but without that kind <laughs> Look of look forward to that, people. Yeah, without that lead kind of character investigating, although Betty in later episodes does take on that role a bit more, which I, I know and I doubt you two have followed up Not on. Veronica, though, oddly. No, not Veronica. Not, <laughs> you not couldn't really. do that. That would have been too obvious. This kind of show, whilst very much formulaic, there hasn't been a successful one in my memory for a while. And a lot of people have said, obviously, like we're saying, that having the names of the characters that you already know mm. makes it very familiar without having to actually have watched a lot of them. And that's obviously mostly from American reviews that I've mm. read rather yeah. than obviously from, from international reviews. Mm. I like the idea of the murder mystery that's going to run throughout the series. Right. And I like the fact that there were different twists and turns, which I know from watching the, the most recent episodes that have come out in the things that you thought were obvious aren't and, and, and those kind yeah. of twists, which I think are very at least first season Veronica Mars, where she dealt with the murder of her best friend and mm-hmm. her own rape. I also like the the, the kind of the, the middle America, Americana type style, you know, the, 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 the Friday Night Lights links, you know, building it around the high school, the cheerleaders. But you, you know, didn't watch Friday like Night that. Lights, did you or did you? I have watched the first series of Friday Night Lights. Right. So um, you're, you're a fan and you've watched I'm a fan more. and I have watched all four of the episodes that are available just to say that uh, over here, Netflix are releasing a new episode every Friday in line with what's coming out on the CW network right. in America. I'm okay. not sure what the lag is, but uh, it's being shown weekly, obviously, over there. So we're not going to get all 13 episodes in one go. I mean, you're comparing it to shows, I think, like Veronica Mars and things like that. But they had, like, likeable sort of protagonists. Veronica Mars was, like, the narrator of the show there. I mean, in the first episode, definitely, we've got a narrator in uh, is it Jughead. Jughead, yeah, he who is barely debate. appears in the show, and we we're stuck with blooming Archie, who's the, the actor playing him is so bland. Mm. I just found him completely bland, as you say, like the murder mystery element. Yes, but a lot of it feels cliched. We've seen it before, but this doesn't. It doesn't seem to have its own identity. I don't feel there's anything about this new, and you're saying. You haven't seen anything like this in a long time, so it's obviously more like a sort of comfortable watch rather than... Hmm. Yeah, There's nothing in this that feels original or fresh or anything like that. There wasn't a lot that I... You know, it was all thing. It reminded me of things that I liked more than this. There wasn't, a, like, a likeable lead like there was in Veronica Mars. I didn't think it was as strongly plotted as Veronica Mars. You had that sort of case of the week there, whereas this is very much like the relationships and things like that. I think it has got more in tone with Gossip Girl. I think I like the style of it. That was probably the best thing. That it was very sort of stylized. And linking back to the uh, intro here, I did start to uh, nod off. Yeah, I, 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 I was. I didn't like this. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we before we go on to Luke, let me just answer yeah. a couple of points that Matt raised. One of the key things is you begin to find that Betty becomes the kind of Veronica Mars sympathetic character. I know I've said this before, but why should I have to wait till episode three for that to happen? Sure. If you want point. me invested in the show from the start, don't mm. do that in episode three. Do it in episode one, where I'm still watching. <laughs> 
Sure. I don't understand this logic of TV shows sometimes where people, oh, you have to watch three or four episodes before you get into it. No, I want to watch the first episode and be invested. I need some sort of hook. You need a hook. To, you need something and, to hook and there was no with. hook here. It was another from a distance viewing. I, did, I, I struggled to believe that what I was seeing would happen or was happening. They kept referencing weird things like Betty Draper and I didn't imagine that these characters Yeah, there was a lot of references. Would be massive madmen fans. Yeah, there was a lot of references, wasn't there, that really irritated me. I forgot to say that. I just didn't believe that these people were real. And of course, when you feel that way, you don't care about their predicaments. It was very much like a comic book. That's it. It's a comic book on screen, isn't it? Yeah. It's very much the way I feel about Peaky Blinders. That that doesn't feel real that feels like a comic book on the screen and i mean I that's possibly what they're going for to an extent isn't it, it, la- it I, I think there is it an lack depth. That, yeah, it lacked any depth mm. and very similar to what we said about the santa clarita diet i just didn't care for any of the people i mean you only need one person actually to latch on to in a show it didn't have that one person and it's a towards... very American show. Yeah. It's an American yeah. show. I don't think it's got a lot of British appeal. I don't see it getting a big British following. I mean, as you were saying about the American critics, I don't know anyone who sort of but talked about it over it's here. It's like when, when you said you did you liked the style of it. I very much like we spoke about another show last week. I found the style of it sort of overwhelmed it. Mm. It was too yeah. much. Well, I think and... they were going for the comic book yeah. style, didn't they? They were trying they to definitely get... go for that, and I would agree that they're definitely going for subjects and themes which are more relevant to teenagers. One of the later episodes deals with the idea of a group of guys who get together and uh, attempt to sleep with the cheerleaders in order to score points on a book system. That was in the um, Veronica Mars episode. It, well, yes, exactly. So they are going for those... It's very they are basically the trying to copy Veronica Mars. Mars and use the, the, the Archie's comic as a... What I'm basically saying is watch Veronica Mars. <laughs> Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV podcast. Good to the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. Let's do the good fight. This is the spin-off uh, of The Good Wife it airing. I think, did you say the first episode did air on CBS and then it's going to all yeah. access well, the, the online the, the, streaming? The format, the format is the first episode went on to CBS access, as you say, the all streaming thing, minus the F and the Jeff. The mm. first episode also aired on the CBS all access with F and Jeff. And the second episode went on to CBS Access that same night as well, with the next eight episodes going on weekly we'll get on to a F Sunday. Jeff in I, a I, I only watched carried. it yesterday. Which characters were F and yeah. Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> Focuses on Diane Lockhart, the Christine Baranski character, who was sort of like the mentor to Alicia throughout the series. Her firm was... Well, it was Lockhart Gardner and something else to begin with. As the good fight begins, we go back to the law firm. We learn that as the, there's like nine or ten named partners now, which is a good sort of uh, visual and uh, sort of um, name gag when they're trying to reel off all the partners. Uh, It starts with Diane saying she's going to retire. We learn she's sort of estranged from her husband after something that happened at the end of The Good Wife. I won't give that away because neither of you have seen it. But then she loses all her uh, uh, retirement money for her accountant in sort of like a Bernie Meindhoff style thing, isn't it? Like a Ponzi scheme. Ponzi. Madoff, Bernie Madoff. Ponzi. Yeah, Ponzi scheme. Ponzi. 
<laughs> oh, whatever. The other character here is um, Rose Leslie, uh, who plays Maya Randall, the daughter of the accountant, who's also, I think she's Diane's goddaughter. Or... It's not Randall, the... yeah. is it? Randall sounds wrong. It can't be Randall. She... And we're back. How we doing, Anna? Well, Todd, things are heating up. Ooh, yes, Nelson with the jalapeno poppers. Incredible. Ramirez comes in hot with a cheeseburger, patty, lettuce, tomatoes. Beautiful formation. Is he? <gasps> He's going for it. Ramirez grabs the Duke's mayo. <laughs> Look at it go. The twang. Anna, this is the best tailgate I've ever commentated on. Tailgate with twang. Get the official mayo of the tailgate. Duke's mayo today. He becomes an associate at Diane's firm, but throughout the episode... Diane loses her money and she's chucked out and they both find themselves uh, recruited by another firm, uh, Reddick, Boseman and Colstad. Um, it's Rind- Maya Rindell. Rindell. Sorry, Luke. That makes all the difference. I'm really uh, glad I checked. This firm is very sort of like a diverse firm. Uh, one of the partners is played by Delroy Lindo. Cush uh, Jumbo's character, Luca Quinn. So they join the firm at, sort of at the end of the first episode. So the second episode, which myself and Luke have watched, um, sort of opens it out a bit more. We see the firm work. We see the return of uh, Marissa as well. You'll remember, Gary, who was uh, Alan Cummings' daughter. Oh, right, yeah. Right, she's she's in this. She's playing... She's very good. Yeah, she's playing Diane's sort of assistant slash investigator. I suppose she feels like yeah. the investigator role you get the sort of first case of the week here it's like a method used to um deter thieves mm. in to put in like department retail stores. work department stores yeah. um but it, it does end up with sort of like a lot of uh, false arrests due to sort of like a lot of intimidation tactics and things like that and it, it was very good wife and it was nice to see them bringing back some of the sort of old recurring lawyers we should say before we get into this too deeply, actually, if you're really chomping at the bit, it doesn't have a UK home yet. We saw it um, through screeners, so it doesn't have a UK I home. I thought you said it was Sky, or... No, it's not been 100% no. confirmed. Not been 100%. Mm. Let's go to Gary, then. Uh, you've okay. watched a little bit more of The Good Wife than Luke, so... Yeah, I, I really liked this. It felt very mm. familiar, but in a good way. And I really, really liked the, um, the, the, the kind of, like, the Ponzi scheme stuff. I really liked Rose Leslie. A, because now this is the third different voice that she can pull off incredibly well. Uh, her own She's got three being voices. One of them, her own being one of them, which is incredibly posh. The second is Egret, which is incredibly you know not. And this one, that. which is incredibly realistic and middle American. Christine Baranski as well. Can we just talk about how brilliant she is in this? Is this woman who's just realised like... Her life is completely changed because she's lost all her money. It's, yeah. it's Diane's story first and foremost yeah. in this. Another question I had for both of you is, do you think you could watch this without watching The Good Wife at all? I think so. I think I think, I think it helps. The, the reason Rose, Leslie, Rose Leslie's character works so well is she's there from the, from the very yeah. start she's finding her feet. Like, the explainer, yeah. isn't she? She's the proxy yeah. for us. She's yeah. the proxy. Cush Jumbo as well. I hope she... I she's mean, I, brilliant. I I, I, now, which one is she? She's Luca Quinn. And I would hope... Oh, now, right, yes. She's seen season seven, which she features in. But I think she was really sort of sidelined. In uh, she was brought in quite strongly to start off with. Alicia meets her when Alicia has to go back to like bail, uh, yeah, like bail, bail court or something. I don't know what mm. the correct name is it name for it is, but she meets her there, 
and they sort of become law partners. But towards the second half of the season, she sort of gets sidelined. She never really got her own storylines. As you say, she's brilliant when she gets the chance to shine. And reading sort of some of the sort of character bios, she does get her own sort of love interest in this, played by um, the hangover's Justin Bartha. Um, and she's and there to sort of hold Rose, yeah. Rose's hand. I just thought this was a really classy law drama. And I, 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 controversially, I wasn't the biggest Diane Lockhart fan. I wasn't watching it for her. Um, but I thought they fleshed her out a lot more. And I did feel empathetic towards her when perhaps... In the past, I haven't felt that. I think this is one of my favourite shows of the year so far. Yeah, I do that agree. That sound. I, I hope it finds a UK home. It must find one. But More I just... Four? Possibly, no, although... I, no, oh, here's no. What, here, here's, no, here's what I want... <laughs> Gary to works Gary, on the board Gary of Gary says no. no to More Four. If you... Well, no. I'm guessing More Four is the obvious choice. All right? Yes, it is. Hear me now. Hear me now. Panel five. As we speak right now, the good fight does not have a UK home. It's very interesting that CBS are not putting this on CBS, apart from that opening episode. This will be a test of that model. Will people pay to watch it? Um, that will be interesting. I don't know what was the. Do we know anything about the cost? You know, relative cost. It's probably like five ninety nine, like Hulu, yeah. and Netflix, and all that. It's yeah. only going to be 10 episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. So, really, really strong. I urge you to find it when it does come uh, to a UK home, be that Channel 5 or... I hope it doesn't go on... Speaking about Channel 5, I hope it doesn't become 5 Star or something like that. 5 somebody... USA. No, I don't... Well... But what did, like, 5 did channel. with The Walking Dead? They had Breaking Bad, they fumbled that. They've not got a good track record, have they, Gary, with US no, shows? No, like, they're pro- Unless they're it's CSI. Pro- no, their, their problem was with, with Breaking Bad was it, it didn't really hit home until afterwards. And you're right, they then ruined The Walking Dead. They had a great show and they, they missed the opportunity. But, but then, I think with shows then, like How, with shows like yeah. House and, Bra- and Prison Break, they were the victims of good success. Basically, Sky came but in and paid more for them. Like person of interest, apparently people who watch that say they really fumbled that. They put that yeah. on different times and things like that. They don't, the Mentalist don't, as well. I don't think they well, know what... all of the Mentalist, to be fair. But I don't think Channel 5 know what they to do, like, scheduling-wise, what to do with these shows. Right, yes, uh, after an extended go west, let's go back east and hand over to Matt. Uh, We're going to start quickly with a show that all three of us started to watch with good intentions. Two of us really struggled with and gave up on, and that is SSGB. So, Gary, we'll pass back to you to do this. <laughs> okay, SSGB is, is set in uh, late 1940s UK. It's basically... Is it like, 1941? Is it 1941? I'm or sure is it at after... the beginning it to says be fair, that's late 1940. <laughs> okay. It's set in London uh, and based around the alternative theory that the Nazis won the Battle of Britain and therefore now control the United Kingdom as a separate state. Britain is under Nazi rule. It's full of Nazi banners. Although they still have a metropolitan police force, which is where our main star works... They're all sort of headed up by by German SS and German Gestapo forces involvement. The resistance falls uh, very early on. There's a, is it a Russian-German holiday or a Russian-German great? Peace day or something, isn't it? Like a relationship day or something. That's it. And a Russian-German soldier or a German high-ranking official is killed by a resistance member who's then arrested. We see this uh, particular sergeant, uh, superintendent in the British 
Metropolitan Police Force, and I'm afraid I'm not very good with names. Sam Riley's uh, Douglas Archer. This kind of very gruff uh, detective who doesn't very really gruff. like working for the, for the Germans, <laughs> but certainly has learnt to play the game very well. And he's investigating the death of what appears to be like a con man salesman, along with his partner, who's played by the guy out of Big Brother. And, yeah, Celebrity uh, Big Brother's James Cosmo. He basically plays the kind of more traditional British we still hate the Germans, and he still makes all the underhand comments. He's the old um, hand, isn't he, like the experienced yeah. copper. Superintendent Archer is also having an affair with his secretary. And this first episode also deals with the introduction of, is it Professor or Dr. Huth? I've got Dr. Huth down here. Dr. Huth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a very stereotypical Gestapo member. You know, the first time you see him, he's kind of lurking in the shadows, and it's obvious that he's going to shake things up. Most of the complaints that I've read about this episode revealed around the idea that they felt that a lot of the characters were mumbling and a lot of issues. I would say only Sam Riley was mumbling to me. As you say, very gruff. One of the things that I did very early on is put the the subtitles on and it was fine. (laughs) You know, I had no problem. Well, no, because I I woke up on Monday morning and read all these things and I thought, well, I'll just put the subtitles on then or turn the sound up. I got about halfway through the episode. What it felt like to me was Sam Riley was intentionally mumbling as a sort of this is a character trait this is what my character is he's a bit mysterious i want to do this but i i just came off as just a bit pretentious i haven't got that far but the scene where he's called into like his boss's office felt very aloha loesque i have to say that boss gets kind of usurped throughout that first episode he's now working mostly for dr hooth so dr can't not. But I felt this was very style over substance. It felt like the people behind it had one eye on selling it to an American market. Uh, I mean, this is adapted from a book by Len Dayton, by uh, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who uh, have scripted a lot of most recent Bond movies. So you've got a lot of sort of people who have got experience of adapting sort of like British stories for an American audience and you've got an American lead actress here in Kate Bosworth who was very Mm. big in the early 2000s and then has sort of dropped off the face of the earth and ended up here I I, again this is a a sort of recurring theme didn't care didn't care about it I sometimes like this sort of thing I mean I'm a big Bond fan I like spy stories but I Sam Riley has just hasn't got a lot of presence to him and the character was never really explained in the first half of the episode. I just felt, if it's going to be like this, I'm not mm. going to enjoy this. Gary, why did you like this? What I found in the middle of this, and I would agree about a number of things that you said about style over substance, but I think that's obviously very difficult when you're dealing with an alternative reality. You've got to make it look and feel different. But I did like the detective work, you know, the ashes, the uh, the work that they did, you know, the pathology. I think these were all solid and therefore I think allowed the show for me to work as a police procedural set inside this world. I didn't really warm to any of the characters, I'd have to say, but I found the, the difference very interesting and, as I say, that police procedural part was quite good. Like Matt, I had very little opinion. I just didn't care. I, ju- I wasn't invested. I wasn't there. I was watching it because... <laughs> we had agreed to that was the only reason mm. um that's my thoughts on it. it i mean it was genuinely genuinely looking at the time code on the previews thing looking yeah. at my clock thinking oh we've got another half hour and i just don't care and i don't know yeah that's that's me done with this i mean that's me done i will probably carry on 
because of the interest. And I think I think as well that the historical element of it is intriguing. You know, this isn't the first show or the first premise of a show that's ever done the what if Hitler won the war. There's, there's just a little bit of, you know, a lot of people are saying that what's going on in, in politics at the moment is very, you know... I can agree right, with that. Right, right-wing yeah. and fascist. So maybe it's an interesting story that you can follow that has kind of links to... I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to go out there and call Trump a, a dictator, one, but there's one a lot thing of people we, out there yeah. who are comparing it to. Final review: Inside Number Nine, which is a show that myself and Luke are I've really enjoyed. This is uh, Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton's anthology series. Gary, you watched this? I, I yes, I, I did. I watched the whole. And you've never episodes. watched an Inside Number Nine before. As far as I can remember, I don't remember watching an episode when you guys originally... To be well, fair, it. that on... doesn't mean he hasn't seen yeah. it. Well, <laughs> the, the basic premise of Inside Number 9 is that there's different, a different style, a different theme, a different story in each episode. They all take place in something called... In, in a building or something that's called Number 9. In this instance, it was the re- a restaurant called Number 9. It's a simple story about uh, four guys they've they've been playing badminton they've gone for a night at a tapas restaurant it's three people who've known each other for a long time uh pemberton shearsmith and, uh, and jason uh, watkins and they're treating uh philip glenister who's like this out of town london sort of i think he's a businessman and basically they get the bill an argument descends about who's going to pay the bill and things come out as it goes on between these three friends watkins's character is very sort of tight and he gets his He's got like out of date coupons. He's got a little change purse, things like that. The rest of them all want to pay the bills on their cards. There's great little moments where like the machine runs out of paper. And as me and Luke are sort of attuned to watching Inside Number Nine, we know that there's always a twist in the tale. It's going to build. And and this had more than one. We won't reveal them because you know if you haven't watched it yet. But Gary, having not watched an episode before, were you? anticipating the twist i certainly felt that there was something coming Mm. i wouldn't say i guessed i'm not going to be as bold or as ridiculous to say i knew what was coming but certainly at one point i was thinking this is going somewhere Mm. because i just couldn't believe that this whole episode was going to be based around an argument in a restaurant over over things something which is very familiar you know i think we've all probably been in that setting i i I have to say i am a bit like the jason watkins character i think yes yes I enjoyed the episode much more when the twist came. Not to say I wasn't enjoying it, but the twist certainly helped Did me. Did you to like go, the oh, humour yeah, that, that was employed? Because it's very sort of black comedy, you know, comedy yeah, drama. Nothing, nothing that made me go hilariously laugh out loud, but there were certainly moments that made me go, ah, right, okay. And obviously, I liked the second part of the twist. Uh, mm, the as well, twist. even though that was sort of very a very small part oh, right yeah. at the end. Do I mean, watch I didn't any know. More, Gary? Um, Based on this, is your different, is your different cast, different stories, different settings. Pemberton and, and Shearsmith have been each one, but the rest is different cast. kind of almost is what worries me a little bit is that no, because there's no familiarity. There's the unknowing. He doesn't out. like he, do, he doesn't like the fact he doesn't know where it's going. Basically, yeah, I'm sitting in the adverts on the side of a bus. But you enjoyed your experience, your first inside number. I nine. enjoyed the experience. I certainly don't think I'm going to go back and re try and find. I the think others. you should try and find the Cherry. Smith won the 12 days well, of Christmas. I'm not sure I will, but I, 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 <laughs> I don't you, know at the Well, moment. I think you should. <laughs> well, I, I don't <laughs> think I'm not no. sure. I, There is an episode coming up that I'd like you to watch for for discussion, which is uh, Keely Hawes is the star. Okay. And well, it is oh, yes, I did notice that she was going to be in the episode. So. That is at four. Uh, four. Diddle, right. diddle, diddle, dumb. 
called. Um, I, I will seriously and have series linked the series on my on my Virgin uh, Box, so there we, you are. That, it at least has that. Has that. Give, give some views. Yeah, I, I love this. I watch Inside Number Nine with a sort of sense of dread in my stomach. You know, however, Gentile, it starts off. It is mm. building to a crescendo of yeah. nastiness or a shock. I think it was the, one of the most believable episodes. I, I think, as you said, we've all been in similar situations where things turn nasty when people want to pay. It's a very easy half hour. The, the time whizzes by surprisingly quickly. And the twists, though we won't reveal them, were satisfying and believable yeah. in themselves as well. Okay, pick of the week. I'm going to go for the BBC Two show on Monday night at nine o'clock, which clashes with probably what Luke's going to go for, called Meet the Lords. Um, last year there was a very successful. <laughs> he, he had um, what was it? What was it last year that he had on his festival? Inside the Commons. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. It will be recorded and watched because obviously it clashes with some appointment television. Tuesday night on BBC One sees the start of a brand new three-parter. The BBC seemed to be in the sort of stuck in the three, four-part dramas at the moment. Uh, Morven Christie, who I last saw in The A Word, and Vicky McClure, who we last saw in Line of Duty, and who we are about to see in Line of Duty again, they star in this drama. <laughs> Funny um, that. Yeah, they star in this, as I say, three-part drama. Morven Christie is sort of a big head honcho at a architecture firm, and uh, she gets pregnant and so needs to hire her replacement during her maternity leave. She hires Vicky McClaw. She likes her. When they meet in an interview, they get on well, they click, and she feels like Vicky McClaw would be a safe pair of hands to leave her job in. But then Vicky McClaw's character, you're not really sure of her intentions. She starts to weasel her way in, pushing um, Morven's character out. It sounds a bit almost like sort of a single white female hand hand that rocks the cradle cradle type. Yeah, exactly. And, And you're never really sure if it's her paranoia or mm. if it is Vicky McClure, Vicky McClure is outstanding in it. Starts Tuesday, 9 o'clock, BBC One. I will follow on from Luke on Tuesday nights and go for Catastrophe on Channel 4, the third series of uh, Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney's sitcom, which also features sort of one of the last performances of uh, Carrie Fisher, which appa- who apparently sort of, uh, features heavily. And the one we didn't mention, the elephant in the room, I suppose. Yeah. Or oh, the, Timmy, the Timothy Oliphant in the room. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't use that early. I don't know why we didn't. <laughs> Broadchurch will be discussed on our next podcast, as will our other picks of the week, Catastrophe and The Replacement. If you want to get in touch with us, we spoke earlier about the email. It's open. Send your questions or thoughts or anything to custardtvreviews at gmail.com. YouTube.com forward slash the custard TV. You can find our individual reviews. Have a look through shows, not only that we've spoken about in recent weeks, but... In years gone by, would you believe? Twitters. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, you do at it, go on. Luke Custard TV for Luke. At the game for Gary. At Matt's TV Bites for me. Facebook.com slash the Custard TV. Give us yep. a nice like on there. iTunes. Get, rate and review the show. If we were desperate for uh, being up higher the iTunes chart, we would say things like unsubscribe and then resubscribe to our podcast. But we're not. But if you want to, please do. Okay, that is it. Um, join us next week, Broadchurch, Catastrophe, um, and all that good stuff for replacing. Whatever Gary picked as a Yeah, meet the Lords. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.